Hello to all of you out there. I am Ulrike Seminati, host of the podcast, Empowering Female Leaders, for women who want to thrive. Every week you will get new perspectives, exciting insights, and empowering messages of women from all over the globe. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Empowering Female Leaders. I am pleased to welcome today Rahav Kobesi, a bilingual practicing thought leader on mental health and mindset transformation, a well-being trainer, keynote speaker, and the host of the Don't Be a Man About It show. She's known for breaking the stigma on men's mental health and is one of the first women in the Middle East to start a conversation on the subject. Ray, I may call you Ray. <laughs> is there something else that you want to add about yourself? Oh, interesting. Well, basically your interest says it all, but I also work with companies on leadership programs, mindset programs, well-being programs to help them balance between the professional and personal skills. I also have an ebook published, which is the ultimate anxiety management that helps people to raise their knowledge about what anxiety is, what is not, how to manage it, what are the relaxing strategies. That's pretty much it when it comes to the professional life. I like water sports, coffee, movies, traveling, and reading books. <laughs> how did you come to your topic? Because it's pretty special that a woman like you is mm. focusing on <laughs> mental health. It's very unusual to see a woman advocating for men's mental health. It really started right from the heart, from a very personal angle, which is when I lost my dad around 12 years ago, I lost him to suicide. And when I went through my own therapy and healing journey and the grieving and the process, it made me realize that, wait a second, my dad and I, we were best friends. How, how is it possible that he did not come out to say that I'm not okay? So I instantly realized that we do have an issue especially in the Middle East, for men to speak up about their struggles and their insecurities. One, because we as a society, we don't know how to hold the space for them. We don't know how to spot the red flags or the symptoms where, for when a man is depressed. And at the same time, we have really stigmatized men in a way that it's not safe for them to come and say, I'm not okay, I'm depressed, I'm going through a bad phase. They'd rather wear the mask, I'm strong, I'm macho, I'm okay. And then poof, we lose them. So I made it a mission that, you know what? I don't want any girl to go through that loss, that pain the way I did. And then I was like, wait a second, maybe I could work with her dad. And then it expanded from just doing things from a personal perspective, growing it into a business that still has the heart of it inside. So, yeah, that's how it is. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a very interesting personal story. And for our audience, it's new that we have someone who is specializing coming from the male perspective, even if you're a woman. Usually we are speaking about the issues that women can face at work. But I thought it is an extremely interesting topic. Why? Because any leader, be it a female or male leader, needs to understand the different profiles they're working with. 
And nobody's the same. Men are not always like this. Women are not always like that. So it's about getting a look behind the scenes in a certain way to understand also the struggle that men can have with what I call a male-dominated behavioral code that we have in the corporate world. Because when we think of a successful leader, then most people have in mind immediately, if they want it or not, a white man in his 40s, 50s, who is a strong leader with a strong character, and that's it. Oh my God, you reminded me of a story. So there is a father and a son that went into an accident and they were taken to the hospital. And then as they were taking the son in, the surgeon is the head of surgery at the hospital. And then they were like, I cannot operate on that person because he's my son. Who is that surgeon? Exactly. And everybody, uh, yeah. Everybody assumes that it's the second dad or it's someone. They would never say it's the mom. Well, mm. For me, it took me like less than five seconds. It's the mom. Like, what's wrong with you? It's the mom. So, Yes answering your statement and confirming it, we do have this stereotyped image of what a leader is and what a leader looks like, feels like, sounds like. It is always a, from a male perspective. And this is why there is something that I wish it would just vanish, which is the urge of always introducing ourselves as the female CEO, the female founder, the female entrepreneur. I know we're drifting away from our topic, but this is a stereotype that has been going on for so many generations and it has to stop. It has to stop. <laughs> yeah, I agree on it. And my podcast and also the group that I have is called Empowering Female Leaders. And I did it deliberately because I know it's still necessary, unfortunately, because we do not have this understanding that a leader is just a leader, a human being is just a human being. At the end, it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman, because we all have different ways of how we behave. We have different values. Some of us are introverts, others are extroverts, and everybody... Ambiverts, please do not dismiss the ambiverts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, also, yes. So there's everything in between in all these facets need yeah. to come together and need to be have their place being accepted. Also in the corporate world, to live through diversity, to leverage the same as potential that all companies want to leverage, but that they don't allow to be at the end in many areas. If we speak about the men you're working with and the issues they might have with fitting into this stereotype, and if they don't fit in, then they feel maybe not enough as well or have self-confidence problems. What are their main challenges that they're having? The most common ones would be that they're highly successful in the tangible world, which means they have fit their businesses, they have managed to have a huge huge money in their bank account and all of those stuff, fancy cars, fancy vacations, all of that, you name it. However, when they go back to their houses or before they sleep, they, they struggle with the not enough part. So we call it imposter syndrome. We call it that my dad still doesn't believe in me. So what can I do to get his attention? And we're talking about men in their forties and their fifties, and they still need validation from their fathers. What can I do more? This is, I just got lucky. I don't know how I got there, even though they would be working so hard to reach where they do. So at the front or at the surface, we see a successful man. But when you sit, as you mentioned, behind the scenes, 
They're just little boys who needs to be more confident to learn how to own their emotions, their successes, their wins, and to actually learn the language of how can they communicate their insecurities or their weaknesses or how I call them areas of improvement without caring if they're going to be judged or be littered. Men put so much value of how people perceive them because we have labeled them as the protectors and the providers. So anything that comes outside that label is considered a weakness. So we work together on changing that narrative and creating a new story in their heads. Yeah, I think many of our listeners will recognize themselves also in exactly that scenario where it looks like, wow, great, successful, professional woman on the outside, but full of imposter syndromes and question marks on the inside. How do you help them to communicate if I understand well, to communicate their vulnerabilities, for example, because that must be a very, very hard thing for them to do. It is. And it starts with the self-narrative. So at the beginning, because you will not be able to communicate anything to other people unless you are aware of that narrative towards yourself and you have that bravery to admit it out loud to yourself. So we start from there. We basically start on working on the inner voice. Because at the end of the day, 90% of what we think or 90% of what we say to ourselves, male or females, 90% of it are just assumptions and assumptions are not facts. So if you are sitting in your room or at your office thinking that, oh my God, I am not good enough, or this project is not uh, working out, whatever that story you're telling yourself, I'm stupid, I'm a failure, I'm whatever it is, It's not correct. You don't have the tangible proof of that, but our minds are so good in helping us be convinced in that narrative. So, and then it becomes our reality. So as simple as it may sound, as most of the people that I work with are having that struggle, I was one of them. So we start by just changing the narrative. All right, instead of saying I'm not good enough, how can I be better? What are the areas that can improve? I am not loved enough. Try and see people who love you and ask them, why do they love you? And then repeat those things to yourself. So very simple stuff, Ulrich. And in a way that it creates really high impact or high value because they would say, that's it. And once you are comfortable enough in owning your areas of improvement, your insecurities. I know that I still have this thing to work on. However, I'm progressing and I'm improving every day and I'm doing my best. Then no one can basically take that as a weapon against you. And they will not be able to really trigger what's what's holding you back because you already are aware of it. You're working on it. So that on its own becomes a strength. So it's about shifting the inner attitude that you have towards yourself. Not only the mindset, even there is no one size fits all. But again, this is where we live most of, not most of our time, all of our time. And it really doesn't stop. Shifting our inner talk can really, really change half of our reality, if not more than that. You know what the first thing we say to salespeople, if you're not convinced with your product, how are you going to sell it? This is exactly what happens with us. How are you going to not convince people, but how are you going to show up in your best version if you are not acting as if the best version? So it all starts with the mindset and then slowly but surely it will reflect on our behaviors and our emotions. And you can tell that that person, oh my God, you're glowing. What happened to you? 
that glow is basically self-love. Yeah, and it's coming from the inside and nowhere else. Absolutely. Yeah, and this is where we have to find it. I know many people, and I guess in your client base, it's the same, who think that they need to have another qualification, be better at something, and they're permanently working on their skills and on these more tangible areas of their profile. Whereas they completely neglect the fact that even if they have 10 more qualifications, but if they still don't love themselves, it doesn't make any difference because it's only on paper and they're not able to convey that. How do you help people to step out of this idea that they have to improve their qualifications or their competencies and shift towards them understanding how important this mindset shift is and how much more powerful that can be? The qualifications or the competencies are already there or else they wouldn't have reached where they are at the moment. But whatever brought you here won't get you there. So the first thing or the first exercise that we start working on is, all right, let me ask you something. If the person in front of you was a friend of yours, would you allow them to show up the way you're doing for yourself? Or the I am not enough statement or narrative, would you let a friend of yours, a very good friend of yours to say that to themselves? No, why not? Because it's not okay. Why is it not okay? Because no, 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 they should be more positive. Do that. How can it be more positive? So when you basically try to help them see things from a different perspective, would you do this for a six-year-old kid? No. Would you say that I'm a failure, for example? Would you dare to say that to a friend or a relative? No. Then how dare you say, say that to yourself? Once you ask that question, they would say, hmm, wait a second. So it's just allowing ourselves or holding the space for ourselves to receive the love, the attention, the care that we give people freely and wholeheartedly, but we are so stingy when it comes to ourselves. Most common example is on birthdays or celebrations, we go out and about to get the most expensive special gift for other people. But when it comes to us, oh my God, this is so pricey. Maybe I should get it next month. And we never do. So that's not self-love. That's not you being a loving person to other people because at some point that energy is going to be drained. And when the energy is drained, which means you're going to be less focused, less productive, less creative, less social. It's like the dominoes effect, right? So it's going to affect your work, your team, your business, your money, your family, your wife or husband, your kids. Why are you doing that when it's so simple? Hmm. It doesn't mean easy. So people would say, you're making it sound so simple. It is simple, but it's not easy because it requires showing up for yourself every day, even when you don't feel like that's self-love. Self-love is not going to the spa, getting a chocolate cake. It's not that. It's one way of expressing love, but also self-love is holding myself accountable. So surrounding myself with a good and strong support system, like friends and, and people who would actually Help me become that better version of myself. Self-love means learning, accepting that I have areas to improve in my life and I'm not perfect and it's okay not to be perfect. So self-love is many things. And once people are okay with changing that narrative, things will automatically evolve. I can only confirm that also from my personal perspective. <laughs> from my personal perspective as well, this is how it worked for me. I used to be someone who would only be happy when I get validation from other people. 
if I don't get that, then I feel so bad and so unworthy of anyone's love. And it shifted. It just shifted with my therapy and healing and lots of self-work for me to actually reach a point where, wait a second, wait a second. No, I am the holder of my self-worth and it has to reflect in a way or another without people around me. So it's a shift that you need to decide to do and then take one step at a time, the 1% effect, 1% every single day, slowly but surely, it will add up to 300%. Yeah, exactly. It's a process. Many people think there's a quick fix in how can I get more confidence quickly? And I know that many people are out there who promise you that in their marketing materials. <laughs> Please don't listen to that. I'm so happy you highlighted that. Yeah. How to become a millionaire in seven days. How to don't do that because one, you're setting false expectations for other people. And when they do not become a millionaire, for example, on the seventh day, then what happens is that they feel as a failure. Part of self-love is actually also setting realistic expectations of yourself, realistic targets, realistic goals. There's nothing wrong for you to say, I want to become the first millionaire in my family. Great. I will push you forward, but do not give yourself just six months to do so unless your business is really capable of making you a millionaire. So what happens is that people are so blinded by false expectations, unrealistic goals, and when they do not reach them, they, they automatically go to a set back, oh my God, you see, I'm a failure. It didn't work out. Oh my God, I'm not good in anything. It's not true. And so make sure you are, that's a very important point is that please be careful. Who are you working with? Who are you trusting yourself? And when I mean self, means soul, mind, heart, with, because you're investing not just your money and energy, you're investing your whole life. It's going to return in some way or another. So self-love is literally everything that we make consciously or intentionally on a daily basis. Saying no to friends that we don't feel like see is self-love. In a movie when you have work because you're not in the right state of mind to work is self-love. Taking a break, whatever it is, it is self-love. We should stop feeling guilty for doing what's best for us. It's about building a relationship with ourselves. And for somebody who has never done that or worked on it, it sounds maybe a little bit awkward, like what, how does that work? But actually that's exactly it. And you have to care of this relationship, like you said earlier on also, like you care of a good friend and you need to be your best friend and you need to be your most endorsing friend and helping yourself throughout different situations where all triggers come in and it's a learning process. Every single moment where you do that well, yeah, <laughs> it's great. And every single moment where you do not do that that well, then don't start criticizing like crazy and thinking you will never work out and going into the other extreme. So it's really about learning to grow into this new self. And it takes time indeed. Yes, you remind me of something I'll share it in a bit, but it's not about just building the relationship with ourselves because the relationship has been built since we are born. The magical shift would be to improve that relationship, to how to have a healthy relationship with myself. Why am I being so hard on myself when I can't, be that hard with someone else. It's just learning more about yourself. So for example, in the pandemic, I learned so much about myself because I was at home. I learned that I love to draw and to paint and to do some headstands or whatever, because I allowed myself 
to, all right, let's, let's meet a new side of Rahat. Let's see what can Rahat do, you know? So it's the same when it comes to mindset, shifting, loving ourselves, all of that, self-care. And having said that, there was once on, I was on a staycation with a friend of mine. And we woke up the next day and I was, you know, I woke up yawning and then I was like, good morning, beautiful face. So she was like, oh, good morning to you too. I was like, um, no, I was, I was referring to myself, but yeah, good morning to you too. She was like, wait, you wake up, you look at the mirror and you say, good morning, beautiful. Like, yeah, don't, don't you do that? <laughs> Looking in the mirror every morning, just wishing yourself a good morning, wishing yourself a happy day. You got this, you can do this. Well done, whatever it is, this would change the whole tone of your day. It's the most effective self-love activity that anyone can do because it's as if texting your partner, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whatever, your wife, have a beautiful day. Why don't we do that to ourselves? Yeah, exactly. I recently read that, I think it was 80% or something like that, uh, of people, the first thing they do when they open their eyes, they look at their phone and they get then the news or the emails they get. And by this, they let go the opportunity to set themselves the tone for the day. Because okay. the first thing that you take in is something external where you don't even have an influence on because you look at it. Whereas, as you say, standing up, not looking at your phone and getting any bad news or stress already, but go into the bathroom and say hello to yourself and set the tone. This will be a great day. I, I decide now I will feel great about myself for the whole day. And then you have a totally different attitude, even when you have difficult emails, difficult news to manage afterwards. It's totally different. Absolutely. Absolutely. And many men at the beginning felt really uncomfortable when I asked them, for example, right on the middle, I am handsome or I am a Superman or whatever. It, are you really asking me to write that on my middle? Everyone can see it. I was like, that's the point. But at the end of the day, it's for you, not for anyone else. And then slowly but surely, you would inspire many colleagues in their office to wait a second. I want to have that middle. I want to do that. I want to do that. It is contagious. So just like negativity is contagious, when you're surrounded with people who don't believe in themselves, at, at some point, you're not going to believe in yourself either. So either be the change, inspire other people to, to love themselves, or just surround yourself with people who already do that and learn. How does this affect the way how they express themselves and their emotions at work afterwards? Because women are often criticize to be too emotional and showing too many emotions. And that's why many women try to be different, which is, I think, the totally wrong way to do things because that harms your self-love. Big deal. <laughs> and so I guess for men, that can be even more difficult. If they have emotions, they were so much used to hiding yeah. <laughs> in life. Yeah. Are they then able to show more emotions or more vulnerability at work? And how does that affect their environment? It really depends. But I think the one emotion that you can never go wrong with is compassion. Compassion and empathy towards ourselves and other people. Many men that I have worked with have anger issues, have ego issues, have trust issues. So those three things, they cause so much damage in a company and the team, which means these men are going to show up as micromanagers. These men are going to show up as people who are not good in delegating because he can trust his team members to work. So, and lots of other behaviors that are unhealthy. Once you decide to be more compassionate, that means that, wait a second, maybe I'm not really good in this delegation part. How can I, how can I be a better manager? 
or how can I show up as a better leader? Who can help me with that? That level of awareness that comes or that stems from self-compassion would really put so much good impact in your team because they're looking at the leader. So they're going to model you at some point. It will also impact the productivity, the performance, the environment, as you just said. Many people, they, I was one of them. I quit jobs because of managers. I do not quit jobs because of the high pressure or high demand. Or I can handle that. But I can't be in an environment where my manager is not trusting me or because he's feeling insecure about something. And that's basically because he hasn't done the work. It's not my fault. So the most important feeling or emotion that men should embrace more is compassion. It's about self-leadership first and then leading. Leadership first. You cannot lead other people if you're not able to do that with yourself. It's not possible. Exactly, because then you will always load your negative triggers on other people. Become like a projection, right? And at the end of the day, most of our relationships come like mirrors. So if I'm an angry person, I'm someone who's full of anger, I'm going to project my anger at you in a way that I'm going to make you feel bad about yourself because I don't want to see what's wrong with me. So, and that's where ego plays a role, right? So yeah, compassion and accepting that you're a human being, you have to be self-aware. And once you open up the door to your self-awareness, comes everything and self-love, self-care, communication that is basically based on empathy and, and openness. You have an open heart and open mind to receive feedback. Most of the leaders or the managers, they don't like to receive feedback because I'm the manager, I'm the boss, I'm the one in charge. So if I want to narrow it down to two things, it would be self-awareness and compassion. Yeah, these are the two things that make a difference to start from, which answers somehow my last question. What is the first thing that our listeners can do? So you said, yes, create some self-awareness around what you really think about yourself, potentially shifting the perspective as well, imagining that it's a good friend and not you you're looking at, because then obviously the compassion <laughs> automatically comes in, which you might not have for yourself. And this alone is a finding to see how much more compassionate you can be with people you like or love versus towards yourself. It's quite shocking sometimes to see that huge gap in between and it's a good starting point is there anything that you because I know that sometimes people shy away from doing it because they imagine that they find a whole bunch of horrible things inside of themselves which they do not want to dig out and which they think they can't manage it afterwards do you experience that as well that there's this threshold of yeah. oh I'm fearing what I will discover of course our minds are trained to filter the good things and just focus on the negative things. So if I come to you and say, oh my God, you look amazing, but have you gained some weight? All you heard was, all you heard was, oh my God, she thinks I'm fat. Most people do that to themselves. They're not able to see the good things. As I said, it's very simple, yet it's not easy. It takes daily practice, daily showing up, learning what's working for you, what's not working for you. Where do you need more focus and attention on? It's better to be working with a professional to want to keep you motivated because motivation don't, doesn't come on a daily basis from yourself. That's, that's totally BS. We cannot stay motivated all the time to hold you accountable, to guide you through the way and all of that, but also to help you see what other people could see in you. Let me just try to make it more clear. Sometimes people see the true 
image of us, which that we're loving, we're kind, we're compassionate. Oh my God, she's an amazing person or he's an amazing leader. But we can't see it in ourselves because we're so consumed with the things that we do not like in ourselves. Oh my God, I'm so clumsy. I'm so slow. I'm not good in this. I'm shy. I'm all of this. Working with an expert or just making the decision to, you know what, I'm going to become a better version of myself is actually seeing yourself in the eye of other people. If you want a starting point, ask people that you work with, hey, just out of curiosity, you know, I'm, I'm just, I don't, I want to know, what do you like about me? What is it that you really enjoy when working with me? Or what made you feel that we're good colleagues or we're good friends? Just two or three things that come to your mind. So people would be like, well, you're very smart. You like to lead a very nice conversation. You're good in this, you're good in that. They will never come to you and say, oh my God, you know what? I don't know. When I first met you, I didn't like you. No one's going to come and say that. They're going to highlight the good things about you. That would be the first step. The second step is note them down. I have a folder full of positive things that people say about me. Full, because on my bad days, I need those words. Because they will act or serve as a reminder. All right, wait a second, I'm losing perspective here. So I opened that folder and I would be like, oh my God, they're right. I am resilient. I am smart. I am this, I am that. Okay, wait, let me shake it off. So these two steps, if you do it on a continuous basis, boom. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's very useful. And I think it's easy to apply. I agree with you. It's very helpful to work at the end with someone who is professional in guiding you through it because you will very quickly lose the energy, the conviction that it will work out and that because it's not done overnight and people are relatively impatient. So I think we need someone who helps us. You cannot be objective when you're working with yourself. Like going to the gym, right? If I'm having a next day or an upper day and I want to work out, I have the plan just in front of me, but I'm not going to push myself the way a personal trainer would. Where can people learn more of your programs? On LinkedIn, Ray Cabasi, or Instagram at Razor Mental Health. So just drop me a message. We do have a couple of programs, one for leadership, a CEO mindset mastery program, and another one, which is how to silence your inner critique. It's a four-week program, extremely fun, and people could just come from anywhere to, to attend, and we will be helping them ship that inner talk. And we will put the links, as always, in the show notes as well. I really enjoyed this. Thank you. Thank you, Ray. It was a great conversation. Thank you. Do you want to get free access to my ebook Top 10 Achievers Lessons? To get your free ebook, all you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Then send me a screenshot of your review to my email address, contact at ulrikaseminati.com, and I will send you your ebook straight away. This was another episode of Empowering Female Leaders. What are the questions and topics in female leadership that you are interested in? Let me know in the comments on YouTube and Instagram or join our LinkedIn group. I am excited to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe for new talks with inspiring women from all around the globe. Thank you for listening.